You may be seated this morning. It is a great privilege. Uh, I know most of y'all know everyone on stage here. My longtime friend, uh, Al Robbins at Christ Chapel, Maine. This is, yes, Jason Braddock, our associate pastor here. Pastor Jeff Dean and Pastor Charles Starks. And I asked them to join me today. And I said, we're going to tag team preach. I said, I'm not looking for a sermon. I had the idea, God is. It's kind of like, you ever go to lunch or supper with someone and you're sharing just from overflow the goodness of God and thanking Him and, and rehearsing? That's what I want this to be. And I told them, I said, we're just going to take three to five minutes on, I want you to know this about God. And somebody else can come in and tag in. Like if somebody gets long-winded, you just woke up and tag them in and said, I'm... I'm going to say something a little clearer than that. And you follow them up. So it's not rehearsed. It's, we're not looking for polish. We're looking for his smile and his... Tell him about me, John. Tell the church about me. So I'm going to start with a quick one, okay? Y'all ready? I've been so excited about this. All right. When someone were to ask you, my God is, and most of what I'm going to share today will be off the cuff, but I thought I'd start with this. He's everywhere. He was in my past. He was with me now, and he's waiting on me in my tomorrow. He was with me in my blindness, in my rebellion, and in my bondage. When I made my bed in hell, he was there. When I took up the wings of the morning, he was there. In fact, there's no place I've ever been in my life that his hand was not there upon me. When my eyes were wide open in anticipation of life, love, and my future... And when those same eyes were reddened with broken promises, betrayal, and abandonment, he was there. He was there when I prayed drunk, and he's there today when I pray sober. He was there when they walked in, and he was there when they walked out. God was there when I made promises and broke them, and as I fought in my flesh to keep them. He's there when the world collapsed in upon me twice, only to remind me that no matter who leaves and why or how they left, he would never leave. I don't have to check in on him, check up on him. He's there. He's there watching me. He's leading me, comforting, supporting, making sure that his will is being done in my life. When I could and couldn't see him, he's been there. When I knew I was all alone, he was there. He's there in the highs and in the lows of my life, the seen and the unseen, the big and the small moments, the once in a lifetime, and the insignificant, the deserved and undeserved. I guess I want to introduce this morning and introduce these guys in their story to tell you that God is for you what he is for me and our grandparents and all that came before him. He's the Lord and he changes not. There's nowhere your foot can go that he's not there. He travels outside of time. He told us the future before we ever got there. He knows the beginning from the end, and he orchestrates all things by the word of his power. So it doesn't matter where I step, he is there. It doesn't matter if I fall backward or forward, if I'm confused or enlightened, he is there. And if God be there, and God be for us, then who and what can ever be against us. Get in. I'm not even going to ask you. Just get in. Let me move my notes. Oh, y'all's drinks are on the floor. Mine's right here with ice in it. So don't. That's the last of my notes. 
took his own life. My dad was an alcoholic and left my mom and sister and I when we were little and moved to California with another woman. And I remember those desperate times, but 60 years ago, I hate to, I don't want to admit that, but 60 years ago, I was five years old and at age five, I would watch every Billy Graham crusade on the old black and white TV because that's what my mom and grandmother would watch and was invited to church and he interrupted the course of my life. He interrupted it. He said, I, I see your grandfather and I see your father. And by the way, years later, my dad got saved and I baptized him in water. But in the meantime, he said, this little five-year-old boy, I'm pulling him out. He paid for me. He redeemed me. And he changed the trajectory from my family history and set me free. And without redemption, nothing else matters. I'm glad for healing. I'm glad for provision. But it all has to start with redemption, the saving act of Christ on Calvary for your sins and mine. And as Pastor John just mentioned, it doesn't matter where you are or what you've done. He sees you, he cares about you, and he will lift you right now. He knows what happened last night. He knows what happened this morning. He's still with you, and he's calling out to you for redemption, to redeem you, to pay for you, and to set you free. Titus 2.14 says, he gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good. That's why I can sit leaning against an oak tree watching a creek this week and tears just began running down my eyes, enjoying God's creation and realizing the path I could have taken, but I didn't take it. Titus. 2.14 tells us that. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood and, listen, forgiveness of our trespasses yes, Lord. according to the riches of his grace. And so let me close with this, Psalm 107, verse 2. 
So why not let the redeemed of the Lord say so? Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to hop in on that one. I, I want to dovetail on, on what Pastor Al and what Pastor John is saying. When we're talking about our God, and, and he's everywhere, and our God, he has redeemed us, I want you to know our God is present and current with us, current with me, current with you, walking with each of us in every season. I'm just going to tie this together real quick. He is current. He was current when I was in rebellion. He, he, the distance wasn't physical. He was still there. The distance was caused by my rebellious heart. But he saved me. He's redeemed me. He's current with me now. He was current with me then. He's current with every saint and every person that walks this earth. Everybody that breathes air, he is current with. Whether you're in rebellion, whether you're walking close with him. Whether you're in a valley or whether you're on a mountaintop, he is right there. He doesn't need you to update him on anything. He needs your surrender. He needs your praise, your, your submission to his will for your life. And you give all of that to him and you're good. No matter what it looks like around you. And it looks very different for all of us. But he's current. He's not confused. He loves us. He carries us. He's current. He's current with me. He's current with me here today as I stand before him. A new creation. If you'd have told some of my friends in Afghanistan that I'd be a preacher one day, they'd have laughed at you as hard as I did. I would have. But he had a plan. He was current with me then. He preserved me in my rebellion and my sin. He brought me close to him. And when I brought my questions to him, he was there to answer him. He said, invade the word with your questions. It is truth. I am current with you. He was current with those that are now the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. Let us run our race faithfully. He is current with Amen. you. Amen. Right before Pastor Jeff or Charles gets up, whoever gets up first, uh, this redemption we speak of, it's not in progress. It is a done reality. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And they're not written in ink, they're written in blood. And this redemption, everything in our life, we're working not towards salvation, but from salvation. The cross behind me, heaven ahead of me. The redemption is complete. One quick illustration of how current. The Bible said, the hairs of your head are numbered. I always thought that meant, you know, that like when I brush, uh, he knows how many's left. How many less today? That's not what it says. He knows the number of the one that came out in your hairbrush. So is he talking about hair or is he speaking to the soul saying, John, I know every detail. Don't, don't spend your time updating me. Tell me about my majesty. Tell me about my faithfulness. All right, come on. Jeff, go. Y'all done got me stirred up already. So I'm just a product of Georgia Public Schooling, right? So you don't get very big words with me. But this is the biggest word I come up with today. God is accurate. 
He is 100% accurate. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says this. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth who? He sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The fullness of time was surpassed and something was completed. The fullness of time is determined by unfulfilled promises that God had given in the Old Testament Israel. Promises filled with hope, filled with future, filled with blessing, filled with peace, all of those things. And in regards to his birth, God's perfect, perfect accuracy is discovered by the how, the where, and the why. See, in this time right now, we can think about the how, the where, and the why. Jesus was born. How? By a virgin. Where? In a stable in Bethlehem. Why? For the purpose of, at that time, at the purpose of revealing his father to his people. Those are three interesting things. But how accurate is God? I'll tell you how accurate God is. God not only showed us the how, the where, and the why then, he's showing us the how, the where, and the why today. Look at the signs of the times that we deal with today. Is he not showing us exactly the things he said in Scripture? Is he not showing us how that's going to come about? Did he not tell us every step of the way? Did he tell us where? Yes, he said clearly what? That he would set his foot back where? On the mountain. And he would change the earth when he did that. But you know what he didn't tell us? He didn't tell us on either then or now. He didn't tell us when. He didn't tell us when. Because he holds that. That's how accurate he is. He holds that final piece for him to be able to respond at the appropriate measure, at the appropriate time, in the fullness of time, so that we see his complete work. His complete work. And think about this for a moment. How accurate was he with you? How accurate was he with you? Did he not pull you out at the very right time? To say, son, daughter, come to me, I'll give you rest. Did he not have you in the moment, in that moment where things were most difficult and say, and, and all you heard was a still small voice saying, Come to me. I'm here for you. I can do this for you. I can take care of this for you. How accurate is he? Please. He's accurate enough to pull a young man like me out of nothing and making me something. He brought me from death to life. He brought you from that place out there to that place in here so you may be encouraged about who he is and what he is. To be surrounded by people that love you and care for you and would give anything to be in this place with you right now. And consider this, he's so accurate, there are people that are not here today that at some point will be sitting in the seat beside you praising his holy name. Amen. That's how accurate he is. Amen. I'm leaving this up here. Another, another word for accurate is perfect. As for the Lord, his way is perfect. He is a buckler to those that trust him. I had the perfect lady that rescued me in the darkest season of, the, of my life. I had the perfect children added to my family. Not they are perfect, but his addition, his accuracy. He's not throwing something against the wall and hoping it fits. He designed my little boy to be put in a preacher's home. He, his way. See, you don't have to understand. Trust not. Don't lean on your understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him. You got it under control. You're not frustrated. You are perfect. I'll let you lead 
in perfect knowledge instead of me leading with my misinformation, my disinformation, and my incomplete information. All right, preacher. Bring the fire, baby. Coming in behind these guys, I really don't know what else to say. So much has already been said. But when I think, I can only stand up here today and just think about my own personal testimony, and, and especially this season that we're in as a family, um, Adrian and myself. Um, when I think about where we're at and what God is doing, the thought comes to my mind is that he is more than able. God is more than able. Amen? Yes, Lord. He's more than able. He's able to pick us up and bring us from Nebraska to Georgia and place us right here at Christ Chapel. We couldn't have asked for a more better and perfect place for our life and what God is doing. Um, also, when I think about God um, and what he is doing, being more than able, being more than enough, being more than uh, what I can imagine or even dream of. He is the God of the impossible. He is able to take something that is dead and bring it to life. He is able to make old things new. Amen. He is able to take what is not and, and bring it into existence. So when we were in Nebraska, man, we were wondering, we had dreams and desires in our hearts and God said, I am, I'm the one that placed those things there. I'm the one that placed those dreams in your heart. I'm the one that placed those desires in your heart. And I'm going to pick you up and take you several hundred miles. And I am going to build a relationship with you and the pastors at Christ Chapel. And I am going to do something amazing in and through you in the city of Macon. I believe that and I trust Amen. that. Amen. Amen. Back in. All, right. All right. I just kind of went over it early. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 and 20, Paul tells the church, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power at work in us. Amen. All things. When I consider all things, man, that is everything completed. That is perfect because he is the one that is doing all things. When Now that we're here, now I think like, man, God, how is all of this going to happen? And where is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? I can't help. I'm at a place and a season in my life. I've, I've, I've gotten the education. I've gotten a lot of experience. And I sit and wonder. And, I, and, you know, in the natural, we can make things happen. At times, we can cause things to happen. I preach long enough where it's easy just to get up here and to preach a sermon. That is easy now to do because I've been doing it so long. The danger is you can do it without God. But God, God spoke something to me. God said that in this season that you're in, he said that I am going to make this happen. Amen. And, and I have learned. I have learned throughout the years, out of the education and the experience that I, that I have achieved, the things that I have achieved and the things that I have, I am thankful for those things. But I have learned, I have learned to trust God. I have
have learned to depend on him. I have learned to lean on him. I have learned to talk to him. Just like he was El Shaddai for Abraham, he is El Shaddai in my life today. I rest in the fact that he is my refuge, that he is my strength, that he is my ever-present help. When life is chaotic, when life is calm, when life is peaceful, he is my all in all in this season. He said, Charles, I am going to make this happen. I said, okay, God, I'm just going to Cadillac then. I'm just going to rest in the fact that you are going to make this happen. And I promise you, my family, we have seen miracle after miracle. We have seen God's hand and his approval, his stamp of approval in our lives. Can I say something to you today? If I say anything and I leave you with anything, I'm going to leave you with the fact, trust God. God is in control. He knows where you're at. He sees what you're walking through and what you're going to go through. And he is going to be faithful and just to complete that thing that he has started. If he says, get in the boat, get in the boat. If he says, we're going to the other side, let's get in the boat and rest in the fact that he is God and that he is in control. All right, Charles. I want you to go get your bride down here. Come on. Y'all bless Adrian as she comes. Come on. Charles, you don't know nothing about this, but she's about to tag you in. And she's going to tell about it. It's okay to have women come up and just share the goodness of God, right? Okay. Give her that mic. Adrian, tell them. Charles alluded to Psalm 46.1, that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. I'm going to try not to cry because I'm a crier. I cry a lot, and I try not to do that when I'm preaching. But as believers, we go through times of terrible trouble. We are not exempt from trouble. And, and I, I said this to the ladies on the job the other day. I just started working with the hospice group, and, and I said, he is mindful of us. He is always there for us. And preachers' homes are not exempt from the stuff, okay? We walk through the stuff. Once upon a time, I could not walk on my own. I could not eat solid food. I passed out all the time. My joints did not hold my own body weight up. But you see me standing before you because he was my help, very present help in those times of trouble. We walk through things. We are raising teenagers just like y'all are raising teenagers, okay? And we have times of trouble, but we walk through that and we look to him because he's our refuge. That means we can go into him and rest from the battle. That's what the refuge is. He is our strength. When we're weak, he strengthens us. He is our very present help in those times of trouble. He's not going to let us down. He is going to get us through. And we don't have to search for him because he's ever present. He's already there. Amen.
All right, sit down. We got to hurry. Come on. I got a 1,500-mile trip ahead of me. Listen, I couldn't help but think about Liberator. As Jason mentioned his testimony, and John, his, and, and Jeff, and Charles, our testimonies. Because I had a non-resident father and a weird youth group, uh, we didn't have any teaching about anything. So I was saved, but I was living in other things that weren't pleasing to God. Anybody? And then he liberated me. He liberated me. He liberated me. And I don't even want to tell this, but I'm going to tell it. From some of the things that happened to me in high school, I became very weak in the area of things you shouldn't look at. Oh, nobody knows that. Never mind that. And for years, Charles, I'd have a hard time staying at a hotel alone. I'll never be back, probably. You know what I'm saying? To preach. But for years now, for years now, God has set me so free, it's laughable. I don't touch the TV. I checked the weather channel last night. That's it. I don't channel surf and get drawn into anything. And by the way, your best friend is your wife. Talk to her about it and get through it. Because it's every man's problem and every woman's problem. Because the first thing I ever saw, my youth pastor bought it and gave it to me. And that affected me with a non-resident father and no teaching and no structure. So not only was I redeemed at five, but later on I was made aware of some things that shouldn't be happening. And guess what? I've been free for years. I'm liberated. And in the same way they can mention drugs, alcohol, relationships, and other issues, that mine, because I'll tell you here, I never drank. I still have never drank. I don't want it. I've had people, strangers, offer me in a hot tub. You want a course? No, it'd be my first one. I've saved a lot of money all these years. And so I, I'm no, it's not that I'm better that I got saved at five, that I never did drugs, that I never drank, that I never slept with another woman. We all have our issues attitudes, anger, bitterness against my dad and all those things. And to be free for years now, I'm up here thinking, yeah, I am not just saved, I'm liberated because he's a liberator. He doesn't just leave us dead in our trespasses and sins, but he comes down and he pulls us out and then he fixes us and strengthens us and trains us and equips us. So he's a liberator. And lastly, he's a provider. All my life, it's been a challenge for provision, but only by faith. He's always met us. We taught at a Bible college for seven years, no salary. You got what they called a Levite check offering. We were Levites, whatever that is, something Old Testament. Anyway, you get like 200 and some bucks a month. We were looking for a tax shelter back then, you know, 200 and something a month. God's never we had all three kids while we taught at that mission school. People say, you can't have kids now. You have no insurance. You'll never pay it off. A few years later, we paid off our youngest child. Thank God. And God has met us time and time and time again. Coming down, John asked me to mention this the other night. I'm at a gas station at midnight. I'm trying to get to West Virginia to a friend's house. Too cheap to buy a motel. And a guy comes up to me and I'm saying, oh, here we go. It's 1230 in the morning. Sir, can you help me? And I'm saying, what do you want, drug money or alcohol or what? He says, no, my horse trailer broke down. I'm towing my granddaughter's pony and all this. 
my 84-year-old, but it was a real story. He was filthy, he'd been changing the tire. And he said, I have $16. I only need 15 more to get the tire fixed and we can go home to Potter County up in Pennsylvania. And uh, I said, just give me your money then. I'll see what I can do. He gave me a 16. I said, you trust me. Uh, I lean out of the truck. I have to have my national sheriff shirt off. I said, now you're not going to rob me, are you? And I turned like that and he saw that. No, sir, I'm not robbing you. And I said, I know that. I wanted to tell him, I think I can take you as beat up as I am. But anyway, uh, don't try me. Any, I got one good fight left. And so I hand him, I hand him two fifties and I kept his 16. And he broke down at the gas pump. Thousands of times that's happened because I know God's my provider. That was cash I had for my trip. God says, no, this man is in sincere need. I had just taught on generosity last Sunday, and I told my church, don't give money to strangers on the highway. <laughs> we left the service. There were donuts left. My wife's taking them to the grandkids. I said, I passed a, an island where a beggar is all the time, and I saw him eating a donut. Did you give him a donut of our donuts? She said, yeah, I did, honey. I said, that's not safe, but we don't live some of what we teach. So I give out the 100 bucks. Next day, I'm driving down through Virginia. A friend calls me, another pastor said, how you doing? I said, great, it's amazing. I'm going down hunting and preaching. And he said, oh, God laid on my heart to send you a check. I said, no, 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 we're fine. You know, you, you should say that. Don't say, good, about 50 million anyway. You know, no, I'm all set. No, 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 I've already mailed you a check for $500 for you and your wife. So it's like I'm out there at midnight giving out 100 and God said, oh, you think you're going to do me a favor? You watch what I do for you. I've already got a check in the mail for you. Ha, ha, ha. I'm provider God. Yep. And he'll meet you whatever Amen. you need. Amen. I want to take a quick second and dovetail on what my sister said about, uh, see, when you hear someone say, I couldn't stand, and he infused my life with that which was missing, I'm strong now. See, God gravitates to weakness. And in my weakness, his strength is made perfect to us. Real quickly, this won't take but a couple minutes. Every favorite song that I have, I had the Holy Spirit show me this one day in my home. He said, what are your favorite songs? Your favorite songs in the church over all the years? And every one of them is about, thank you, Lord. Every favorite song I have, probably my all-time favorite, Walter Hawkins, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. It could have been me. My, every time I got to destruction, he stepped in the way. Every time I ran out, he added. Every time I got too much, he took away. He was my defense, my buttress. When my daddy died, he was the only father to that time that I've ever known. He has been so faithful to me. Amen. Let me tell you, one of the prayers you never have to pray is God be faithful. He doesn't respond to your prayers to be what he is already. Amen. I'm like, Lord, you see me and you know would you bow your heads with me a quick second? Charles, would you pl play that song, uh, Faithful? He's been faithful all my life.
doesn't have it. Will you pull it up for me? Uh, all my life been faithful. CeCe Wynan. It's the one I sent him this morning. I just felt like we were supposed to overflow in our heart from this. You got it? Feel free to stand and tell him how grateful you are. If it's you, is this I your story? Love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay of the goodness of God cause all my life you have been faithful Mariana come down here and dance before just like you all my life you have been so so good with every
and thank the Lord, isn't it? Very quickly before, uh, Jay, if I know you're about to bust, Jay will get Jay up here. Uh, see, you need to understand there are certain themes that strum the chord of your heart based on your experience. When you ain't got nobody and he's the somebody. When you didn't have help and he was the help. I was born a waterhead child that they gave a 0% chance to live. My daddy said, what, what, what if he lives? He said, zero. But what, what, what if, Reverend, your son's going to die. And my daddy locked himself in the basement of a church for three days and w worked it out in his heart. He said, if you take my boy, I'm going to preach your word till the day I go home. But if, 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 he, if you let him live, God, aren't you, aren't you it for us? Aren't you my healer? And the Lord spoke to him and said, pick your boy up. I just touched him. Got to the hospital. They already had my death certificate filled out except for the time. And they said, if your boy lives, he'll never have the mentality of a three-year-old. Well, I'm not all of that, but I got it all over a three-year-old. You know? Hallelujah. Faithful. So the last thing I want to tell you, that's one thing to say he's faithful. Or to know that he's faithful. But unvocalized gratitude is only an opinion. And we don't worship the Lord with opinions. And I want to tell you, Lauren, I see you nodding. You know he never got to do nothing else for me. He has been so consistent, so faithful. And he's done exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. Come on, preacher. Thank God. Thank God. Praise the Lord. Yes. Praise him. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Father. Hearing these testimonies and, and just getting stirred about God's goodness, it keeps coming back, and my thoughts keep landing on how he is the author and the perfecter of my faith. How I, in my heart it echoes what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, that he that began a good work in you is faithful and will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And as Adrian was saying, whether you're a preacher or a plumber, whether you're full-time on staff at the church or you're mopping the hallways at a school, no matter where you are in life, he is the author, he is the perfecter of your faith. He has started a work in you and he is going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And these moments, the moments where we had nothing, where it was impossible, 
where there was no way that things, the doctors gave up. Pastor John tells of how the doctors are like, he's not going to live. God came through and did something. God's the author. God's the healer. It's not the opinion of man. It's not the science of man. It's not the medical expertise of man. It is God and his faithfulness. He's writing the story. And when he's not done, it doesn't matter if you're drug outside of a village and stoned. You'll get back up and go back in preaching the gospel. Eyeball popped out, kneecap bent. You're going to preach the gospel. God brought you back for a reason. I don't have to walk perfect. I'll walk with this limp, lift my hand, and praise my God. He is the author of my story. If he hadn't put the pen down, if he hadn't put the period in the last sentence of the last paragraph of the last chapter and closed the book, I don't have to worry. He is going to keep me. He is going to write the story out. And along the way, when there was no way, those are our proofs and our anchors and the monuments that we look back on during our walk with God and say, I've come too far and seen too much for you to tell me something other than my God is a faithful author, other than he is perfecting this work until the day of Jesus Christ, other than to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, other than to compromise his word is to make him angry. You are not going to convince me that I have to compromise truth here for the opinion of man. I am living my life out, giving him the pen, saying, you write it, Lord. You choose what's best. The moments when Adrian couldn't stand, she'll remember that forever because God did a work. He was the healer. When I was a little boy, three, four years old, my mom tells me this story. I remember bits and pieces of it, but my legs quit working. Not sure why. I just come pulling myself out my, from the waist down. Nothing's, I'm not able to walk all of a sudden. And my parents are freaking out. They're praying. My dad's at the church praying. Pastor John, he, he remembers this a little bit, but it's fuzzy for both of us, you know what I'm saying? They called him. He was a youth pastor, came and picked me up. I remember him getting me a little Donald Duck or some sort of fishing pole, took me fishing. He picked me up and set me along the bank and take me different places. And then I ran from the Lord. And today, I'm here in Christ Chapel, a pastor proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. The author was not done with my story. No matter what I did, where I ran, the author wasn't finished. He is faithful, and he is going to put those in your stories. All of us, we, it would take too long for all of us on the stage and the people in the congregation to share their monuments of God's faithfulness, those anchors in their life that say, you've come too late to tell me otherwise. But this room is full of them. It's full of his redemption and his restoration. And the thing I'm gonna close on this morning is my beautiful bride, my, my lovely bride. If you don't know her, just look down here when she's not in kids' church during praise and worship. She's the one dancing her heart out before the Lord. When Pastor John first met her, the word that came to him was shattered. And I can't think of a better word to, to describe. Life had shattered my beautiful wife. And today, she dances on broken bones that have been made whole Amen. by the author and the perfecter of our faith. Can I get an amen? amen? Does that resonate with anyone else's heart? That I can walk with the limp, that I can dance on the broken bones because he is able. Amen. He is more than able. Yes. He 
is my sustainer, my provision, my redeemer. He is. He is. Amen. You've heard all kind of descriptors today. God is this. God is that. You know, God is so good. Let me say it one more time. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't catch that. God is so good. He is so good. He's so good that it doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter your situation. He doesn't answer to those things because he is good. Just good, period. When I say he is good, though, let me go ahead and give you a little more. See, again, you got to have a vast vocabulary to go when you start talking about God because God expands any portion of my vocabulary, and I'm sure he does yours. I would say this, just as much as God is good, is God is righteous. Just as much as God is righteous, is God holy. Just as much as God is holy, God is just. Just as much as he is just, he is angry. He is vengeful. He is a mighty God. He is all-powerful. He is sovereign. And here's the thing. No matter what every individual, one person in this room may think of God, he is so much more. So much more. There's no more that I can bring up. Why? Because he surpasses my understanding. He takes away every bit of every little thought process that I may have and breaks it down to the most furthest, smallest degree and says, this is who I am. You see me in all things. You see me in all facets of life. You see me when the sun comes up. You see me when the moon comes up and the sun comes down. You see me as the wave crashes. You see me as the rain falls. You see me in every aspect of life from birth to death. And then you see me again forever and ever. See, that's the God that I know. And I can't describe him. I can't, bring, I can't give you any more colorful illustration of him because I'm not even worthy to look upon his face but to look in his presence at his feet. And it's just like Isaiah, Lord, send me. Lord, send me because you are worthy, because you are holy, because you are righteous, because you fulfill me, you sustain me, you complete me, and you make me whole once again. Something I couldn't do on my own, you did for me. That's because he's unchanging. He's unchanging. I love that. Have you seen Have you seen this garbage on television? This, he gets us. He gets us. I serve a perfect God. He don't get me. I have to get him. And you know what the funny thing about that is? He changes me so that I may. He changes me. He turned that heart inside my chest sideways and back around again and said, now you belong to me. That's what you are, and that's what I'm going to do with you, and you're going to walk this way, and you're going to do these things. And even if you get sideways, understand this, I'm here always, always with you. So he is ever-present. He is ever-present, and he's ever-loving. He is so good. He is so, so very good. Amen. Come on, Charles. What an amazing God we serve. Mm -hmm. I want to tag off what uh, Pastor Al said earlier, God being our provider. Um, Earlier, uh, I was talking, a part that I left out the other day, not too long ago, I was driving... um, 
on Riverside getting ready to take a right on Arkwright to get on the Interstate 75. And I began to talk to God, and of course, he was talking back to me, and, and I held my hands. I could see myself holding my hands out, both hands up to God. And I, and I told God, I said, God, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to offer. And he said, exactly. You have nothing to offer, but I have everything to offer. Amen. And I immediately start thinking about the story of the fish and bread and how God, how Christ was standing there. He held it up, broke it, gave thanks, and he gave it to his disciples to hand out to the people. And at the end of all of that, the people were fed. Some came back for seconds, and the baskets were running over that the disciples picked up and kept for themselves. They had nothing at first, but God multiplied and became the God of more than enough. Um, I can't help but to think like, man, especially in this season that we're in and the world that we live in right now with all the chaos and all the craziness that we're seeing on the news and even in public at times and right here in Macon, we're making the news all the time for, for not wholesome things, but negative things. And those of us who are children of God, I know we have to sometimes just be perplexed and wondering, like, God, what's going on here? I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my city. I'm praying for my nation. But it seems like things are turned upside down. God, are you going to move by your spirit anytime soon and turn things back up right again? God, what are you doing in our nation? What are you doing in our world? God, what are you doing in my home? I don't know about you, but, but craziness at times happens in pastors' homes. And we need a move of God. We, I don't know about you, but I'm crying out. My spirit is crying out. Lord, come, Lord Jesus. What are you going to do next, God? We need you to move. We have tried to do church. We have tried to do life. We have tried to do this. We're trying to raise our children. We're trying to love each other. But, God, we keep falling short. God, when are you going to move? Lord. One of the most famous quoted passages of scripture that we like to quote is around this time of the year is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. And it's a promise from the mouth of the prophet over 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. And this is what this promise says. It says that for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. What a promise. That's something to hold on to. So, so I want to leave you with just reiterating from those few, from those couple verses, simply put, God is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. He is the originator and ultimate sustainer of peace. Can you imagine being Abraham in his time in a world filled 
presence of God and hearing the voice of God Almighty saying, I want you to leave everything that is familiar to you. I want you to take your family and your possessions and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Abraham had to trust that God is. Abraham had to trust that God would be his provider, he would be his sustainer, that he would be his counselor, that he would be the prince of peace when times are troubled in his life. Listen, church, that same God that Abraham worshipped in, the same God that spoke to Abraham, that spoke to Sarah, it's the same God that is speaking to Christ chapel today. And he is saying, I am going to take this church to a place that I am going to show you. I am going to take you individually to a place that I am going to show you. But what we got to do, we got to get up from here to go over there. So we have to walk by faith and not by sight and trust the God that is the God of the impossible who can make all things possible. Listen, I promise you today, as we stand on this stage and proclaim the goodness of the Lord, that he is alive and well, and that he is on his throne, and he is seated at the right hand of God Almighty, making intercession for us and working miracles in your life, things that you don't even know about. Praise God. God is. God is. Whatever God was for Paul, he's that for you. Yep. That's right. Whatever Paul, God was for, for Isaac, Jacob, whoever, he is the same God for you. Whatever he was to pastor's father, he is the same God for pastor. He never changed. No one created him. He is the eternal God of heaven who always has been and who always will be. He is the soon coming king. He is the prince of peace. Listen, he is the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and he is coming back for his church. And he is going to reign and he is going to rule as God because he is God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. If our musician would come, y'all bless them this morning, would you? You can be seated. Got just a few quick minutes here to go. So let me tell you, let me, let me give you some behind-the-curtains pastor thinkings. If all we have is exhortation then we're never convicted, we are never uh, matured, uh, but when you have teaching that brings us into understanding of God, conviction brings us into understanding of ourself and His holiness, but exhortation is like fuel. It's, uh, I just had the mental image, you ever put water in a radiator? And then you say, well, I didn't realize she is that empty. <laughs> and you just keep adding and keep adding. As we got towards the end, you can only take so much, listen, exhortation. Why? Because I, I got to let that gurgle through all the places. I didn't know I was that low. I didn't know I was that. I had information and not revelation. I had forgot and 
when that see you don't even have to remember the details but sometimes someone will say something that strums a chord in your yesteryear that causes you to come to life you go yeah that used to be me God what happened to me well you got beat up during those years you got older during those years you took some lumps but John everything in your life that's changed tell me who your constant is for thou O Lord art a shield unto me you're my glory and you're the one that always lifts my head past what I'm feeling up past what I'm looking at he said John just 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 look at me just just look at me I, I got this I got you I got you see our problem is not our problem our problem is our proximity to Christ if you're near him and you see him and you know him and you just talked to him just a minute ago when life comes at you full throttle you ain't scared because you're standing in the shadow of the almighty God that means <laughs> that he is in front of you and he's a lot bigger than you you know the older I get I'm less impressed with me and I'm more impressed with God and I used to think that power and there ain't nothing wrong with volume listen Right? People say, is all of that necessary? God ain't deaf. Well, he ain't nervous either. So you ain't got to worry about that. But power can be found in volume. But power is found in rest. When the Christian says, deal the next card. Because no matter what comes out of the dealer's hand, my God will either be sufficient for or compensate. And we're buoyant today. We're kept. You're kept by the power of God through faith. You're kept. You're carved in his hand. I don't know all that that means. But somehow, I am forever intertwined and unable to become separated from those wounds and those scars. Kept. Kept. Now, if you'll let me pastor you just for a couple minutes, and we're going to go home. Christmas is not always flashing lights and shiny bulbs. It can be the greatest of times and it can be the saddest of times. It can be the darkest of times. It can be, we've got so many precious ladies that are widows this year that weren't widows last year in this house. We've got people whose spouse checked out in this house. Those whose body worked last year and uh, didn't work this year. My buddy Mike uh, he knows who he is, is with me today. Had a stroke this week. 
and in God's house today. <laughs> it's like, you know, if this is the week I'm checking out, right? I want to make sure I'm in his presence, thanking him for the life I have. So for all of us, for all of us, we need to release ourselves from trying to feel shiny and effervescent if that ain't the season for this. Now watch. I may not be able to join you in the festivities of Christmas. But I can join you in the glory of it. Because I love him and he loves me. And I am intertwined and connected with that lamb that came to die. And there are some Christmases that are sitting in front of the kids and grandkids where it's just like this. And I have had Christmases where you wipe tears all day. But the Lord was present in both of them. And I found that his nearness is to those of a contrite, a humbled, and a broken heart. So let the Lord draw near this Christmas. What if this is the Christmas where you've had the fewest of relationships? And the closest you've ever been to Jesus. He'll draw near. Now, that we're exhorted. If your faith is stirred this morning. And you need the Lord to help you. If we've ever had faith in this room. We've been reminded today and shook and recharged. And said, I need God, to, I need God today to help me. I want you to come and stand around the front and we're going to pray a simple prayer and we're going to go home. If you need prayer this morning, it could be physical, it could be relation. Come on, come stand around this front. Where are you? God bless you. God bless you. And those of you that are visiting, you're safe in this altar. Nobody's going to work you or shake you or push you, but we're going to pray. We're going to pray in faith, believing Glory. Glory. Now those of you that have been here and today you got something. You remember when the disciples said silver and gold I don't have but what I have I can give you. If you have something I want you to come stand behind them please. Come quickly. Guy with a guy, girl with a girl. There can be more than one. And say I'm going to pray for you today. Al, would you make your way down to my buddy Mike here in the front? Yeah, Jake, thank you. There's a lady here on the end that needs prayer. We've got some ladies here that need prayer. Come on, come on, ladies. we got several here. Come join them. Make sure everybody has one. We've got two ladies here that need someone praying with. Thank you. They're coming. Now just let them hear you. You don't have to overpower their prayer, but Lord, I bring my brother before you today, my sister today. In Jesus' name, Lord, touch today. Touch him today. Fill him today. Glory today.
Church family, would you stand with us all across this room as we culminate this service together? We've all had something like this happen in our life, somewhere in your history at Christmas. Somebody very special transcends the gifts, you know, that really weren't, it could have been a re-gift or something, you know, they're being passed out. And then someone very special says, hey, I got this for you. Sometimes when the Lord gives us a word, I'm not trying to be mystical, I'm trying to explain it. It's an uninvited thought or a picture and it may sound trivial to the majority of the people, but to, to the one that gets it, it lets them know the Lord has their number and he's talking to them. If I hug Isabel, Olivia comes right behind me. And, you know, or if I hug Olivia, Isabel's like, move, move, big mama. That's what she tells us. I said, quit saying that. You know? And they, move, and they, they won't hug. And I saw... While you were praying, I saw girls. It was and that could you know it could apply to guys too. But it's like the Lord saying, "Why don't why don't you jockey anymore for getting close to me? If I hug this one, don't you think I love you just as much as I love this one? He's not moved, so." It's okay to say, me too, Lord. Me too, Lord. And everywhere Jesus was in touch, and he touched them, and they were well, and he touched them. And you can have your turn, but I'm going to get next to him. I'm, if, you know, even if he don't touch me, I'm going to touch him. When, when, when did you stop getting next to him? Maybe this Christmas, you're going to have a moment where the Lord says, Hey, I got something for you. <laughs> you could have been asking for it or not. But you're really, really going to like this one. Kelly, would you mind praying for us? My wife told me when the Lord graced us with our babies, and I'd never asked the Lord for babies, she said it was the greatest gift you never knew you wanted. And the Lord gave it to us. And you're... You're the miracle for me, you know. So, will you pray over us, dismiss us? Sorry, Jason. It was just you coming up here. <laughs> Lord God, we come to you full of hope in you and faith in you. Lord God, we bring absolutely nothing to the table. It is not our goodness, Lord, not what we do, 
dependent on you. We are completely dependent upon the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. But that work, that perfect work gives us access to you, Lord God. Just like John was praying, Lord God, I pray that you would birth that in all of our hearts today, Lord God, where we have stopped being the person tries to get closer and closer to God than anybody else, Lord God. I just pray that you would put that in our hearts today, Lord God, to seek that wholeheartedly. Surround us with friends, Lord God, who would encourage us to be like that, um, that we would see their heart towards you, that their relationship with you, and it would make us want to get closer, Lord God. I'm so grateful for the friends that I have, Lord God, that just make the somersaults when we talk about the Lord together. And Lord, whether we find ourselves in a season where it is hard or if it's a season of wonderful liberty and joy, Lord God, you are the Lord of both. And we know that you are faithful and you will continue to be faithful until that day where you call us home. Lord yes, Jesus, Lord. Give, let us over Before you're dismissed, last 30 seconds. I don't give assignments. And, of course, it's not, I'm not going to follow you to see if you do it. But I want you to go home today, if it takes five minutes or ten minutes, however long, and get a legal pad and write your three. God, you are blank. What's the three? And then let your heart overflow and unite with this. And let's just see what God's going to do in our soul. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.